Welcome back to the Canine Performance Podcast, where it's our mission to help you live the best life possible with your dog, guaranteed. My name is Matt Hubble, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie. And today, Natalie, what are we talking about? We are going to be giving out some tips if you have a new puppy. So some key things uh, that you'll want to be doing. Uh, I'll just go ahead and give a brief overview of all the stuff that we're going to be talking about. So potty training and scheduling, why that's important, um, some tips to help with potty training, some of the equipment items that you'll need when you have a new puppy in the house. You'll find that you need a lot of stuff. So I have all those written out some behaviors to be prepared for, and then some general training tips like exposure, um, practicing different sorts of behaviors, and then also cooperative care. So going over some basic tips to keep in mind if you uh, are thinking about a puppy for the holiday season. And I think that's definitely something that um, is going to be exciting to cover because a lot of times if you're, if you've never owned a dog before, if you maybe had a dog as a family pet, when you were young, you might not have ever had a true ownership experience from puppy to full grown dog. You know, a lot of people rescue dogs, what have you. So, um, I think what's very interesting is that owning a puppy is way more work than I think people anticipate oftentimes. And it can become something that, gets overwhelming very, very quickly, especially if uh, you're young and you've never really had a responsibility before. I know that was my experience when I first got Aurora. And it's very easy to go in the wrong direction. And when you have a puppy, um, you know, it's very easy as an owner to get by with not doing the proper due diligence, not doing the proper research, and then just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and going through the motions of what we think is best. And so I'm really excited to jump into all this information so that people out there that are exploring owning a puppy for the first time can really kick things off on the right foot. So without further ado, maybe take us into the first segment of this podcast, Natalie, break it down and let us know uh, what we can start doing. Awesome. Yeah. So the first tip is going to be time schedule management. I think that this is the part that a lot of people don't really feel prepared or they really anticipate how much time um, a puppy takes and how important it is to keep them on a schedule. So what that would mean is that there needs to be set times that you're going to take your dog out first thing in the morning, set times that you're going to give them food. And it's really important that you have the set times of the food because that is going to dictate when they are going to go potty next. Typically, that's going to be around like 20 to 30 minutes after they eat, they're going to need to go potty again. So if you have a set feeding time, the potty time, you're going to have significantly less accidents. So having that, um, it also helps minimize how much stress that you're going to have, because if you have those set times, then, you know, you're not gonna be like, Oh, when was the last time I took out the puppy? It's, you know, at these times you're going to be taking them out. Um, and that also leads into not to be free feeding your dog. Uh, a lot of people start free feeding their puppies because they always seem so hungry. Um, or they just need several cups of food because they're growing, but it's really important to have it all structured out and to not free feed your dog because what you'll develop is actually a dog who's going to be very picky. And so you'll be worried that your puppy's not going to be eating enough, um, but it's because food is always readily available. And it also makes it hard for training later on if there's resources always free and available. So 
The way the way I like to think about the free feeding is that it's kind of inver- inadvertently spoiling your puppy, you know, yeah. and a lot of us don't really know better. Like I said, this is one of those things where if you've never owned a puppy before and you're looking to get your first dog and it happens to be a puppy, you might not know um, that you don't put the food down because just like in shows and TV and modern pop culture, you know, we see dogs and cats get bowls of milk and dogs get big bowls of food on the ground. And yeah. so um, it's very important to be cognizant of how we're developing our puppies, especially when we get them. And I think the points that you're making there are really uh, on target and definitely important and something that probably isn't often thought of by, um, you know, first time or newbie dog owner, yeah. puppy owner more specifically. And I think that the, the housebreaking is the most overwhelming part and can be the most frustrating. So, you know, to be honest, that is going to be um, a large section of what I'm going to be talking about. And that's why I put it first. Um, and so with using the restroom, if we have those set times, it's also important that our dogs know the difference in between going outside and going potty. And we're going outside to play, go on a walk just to explore. These need to to be very two separate times. And the way that you can do that is when you take your dog out on a leash, don't interact, don't engage with them. Simply say, okay, go potty or okay, go outside. And then you are pretty much a tree. Like don't interact with them. Don't play with them. You're just standing there. They can sniff around all that different kind of stuff and they go potty. As soon as they go potty, positively reinforce that. Say, oh yes, good girl, good boy. You can even give them a treat after they go potty, bring them back inside. Set a timer for how long, because you don't want to just be standing out there for hours on end waiting for your dog to go potty. Set a timer, five to 10 minutes. Dog doesn't go potty, totally fine. Bring them back in. But when you bring them in, they immediately go into the crate. Dogs do not like to use the restroom in a small confined space and where their home is. So put them into the crate. If they do go potty, great, bring them inside and whatever activity is going to be next. Um, And that will also help with, when you take your dog out on a leash, even if you do have a yard, it will help that your dog will go potty only in one area of the yard instead of trying to trapeze around the whole yard to pick up potty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Very cool. So beyond that, what are some of the other things that people can do to start developing a schedule and kind of an order of operations for their day when embarking on their puppy ownership quest? I know um, like a lot of all good things, you know, success comes from good preparation. So I think, you know, diving deeper into some of the tools and resources that people can yes. utilize in order to build that schedule that they can adhere to so that they can be successful, um, is going to set the foundations for a really good puppy training experience. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's a lot of different, um, equipment items that you'll need. I think that sometimes we forget about how much stuff a puppy requires, not what we want them to have, um, but they actually really need to have. So um, one, you're going to need some toys for redirection, figuring out what your puppy likes. Do they like to tug on things and chase things, chew on things? How can you redirect them? Because you're going to see some behaviors of um, getting into things you don't want, chewing on you, your children, all that stuff. So you want to be able to redirect them. You'll also want to redirect them uh, with food, but then also be able to launch into a training session as often as possible and reward good behaviors. So besides toys for redirection, having treats in plastic baggies or in containers all over the house next to your front door, your back door on top of their crate, next to the couch, next to your bed, all the different places that your puppy is going to be. So that way 
if they start to get into something, you can redirect them off of that bad behavior, show them something else to do instead of just constantly going and scolding them for not, you know, trying to get into stuff. Um, and so that will help positively reinforce those better behaviors. You're also going to want a lot of cleaning supplies. So paper towels, um, bath towels, disinfectant spray, uh, bitter tasting spray so they don't chew on things, odor and stain remover, getting all of those things ready. Mm-hmm. Um, almost done with the list. So you're going to need a crate. I actually suggest that you get two crates. You're going to want an inclusion crate and an exclusion crate. And I'll go into that a little bit later why that's important, but it will make potty training and housebreaking go so much more quickly and effectively if you put your dog into a crate. And it will also help um, mitigate separation anxiety later on in life. And once they're in the crate, you're going to also need toys for chewing. Kong, antlers, nothing soft that can be a choking hazard. And then leashes, a long line, which is 15 to 30 feet, and then shorter ones, which is six to four feet, um, and then a food training pouch. And for me, that's what I recommend as being the um, required equipment when you have a new puppy. Mm-hmm. And to some people out there that may not be exposed to owning a puppy before or even a, any sort of pet or dog, um, it can kind of sound like an overwhelming list. You know, it's, it's a few different things to need to grab and to really start implementing and keep my treats all over the house. Um, and so it's important to note that, you know, ultimately this, these resources, th- these tips, this advice is really, if you want to go all out and give your puppy the best possible foundational platform to continue learning off of, um, not to say, I mean, by all means, don't do all these things. Don't hold them to a T. Don't keep your dog accountable. Don't put the schedule together. Just know that, you know, all of these things are to avoid consequences later on. So if you opt not to do these things, you may have to eventually mitigate different issues that develop from not doing these practices later on. And later on, it might require additional work more money to put into various things. Now maybe your dog's destroying things (laughs) because you didn't set these foundations up correctly. So while it might sound like a lot of information, a lot of different advice up front, just know that it's all preventative in order to build a good foundation so that you don't have to deal with things later on down the road. Absolutely. And to kind of, I think that's a good segue into the next part is to be prepared for some of the behaviors that you're going to see. You can do all of this stuff right. Um, but regardless, you're dealing with a dog, you're dealing with a puppy. And so being prepared for biting and nipping, that's absolutely going to happen. And that's something that most dogs are going to grow out of, but don't expect that to happen until, you know, four five, six months, they're going to go through that teething period. So don't be concerned about if your dog has a lot of nipping and biting, redirect them off of you. It doesn't mean that your dog is aggressive. Their mouth is pretty much the only way that they can interact with the world. So when you see them doing that to you, they're trying to interact with you. Um, so dogs will also put everything into their mouth. They're through, they're going through something called the critical development period. So they're trying to explore everything and they do that through their taste and smell, putting stuff in their mouth. They're also going to jump on you a lot, uh, having accidents in the house. And so with all these behaviors, just remembering that you have a puppy that is going to get into everything and put stuff in their mouth. So pick up anything that you don't want destroyed in the house, any wires, small items, papers, anything like that. And remembering that 
if you cannot physically manage and keep an eye on your young puppy, then put them into their crate, put them into an X pen, um, or tether them to you. Very cool. So what other kind of takeaways can people expect as far as implementing some of these behaviors and schedules? You know, what are some general best practices when you get a puppy? Maybe it's 10 weeks old. It's like, bam, now I've got this thing to take care of. You know, (laughs) what are the first few things that you would do um, personally to just get going right away? Yeah, definitely. So besides, like we already mentioned, setting up that schedule, um, start rewarding good behaviors that you see. I think a lot of the time when people get a puppy, they're more of in a reactive step of like, my dog did this thing I didn't like, so I'm going to try and correct them for that. But our dogs also make good choices some of the time of maybe they go into their crate themselves, they choose to lay down, not get into something that they would normally get into. And so rewarding those behaviors and so it way it reinforces them to choose those behaviors more likely in the future. And if they're not rewarded, the good behaviors that we want, since dogs don't inherently know that, then they're going to find ways to occupy their time and it's not going to be something that you're going to like. So um, starting with that early, um, building engagement and drive with you. So training with your dog several times a day in short sessions, like three to five minutes, playing tug with them, tossing the ball, using treats teaching them sit and using marker trainings, developing that really early, the marker training system is going to be really important. And if you build that foundation of interaction engagement really early in your dog's life, you're going to have less problems with distractions and poor behaviors later on because your dog is going to be focused on you and you're going to build that relationship early on with your dog. So that's what I would start um, immediately if you brought home a very young puppy. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the biggest things that happens to us as owners, especially puppy owners, is that we become overly empathetic and concerned for our puppy. I don't want to create it. You know, I don't want to be mean. That's cruel. Or I don't want to do this, that. I don't want to, you know, correct it or, you know, put it, like I said, in the crate. Um, or ultimately discipline it and have this structure, you know, let it up on the bed, let it eat food when it wants, give it too many treats. Um, what are some of the cautions or maybe misconceptions that a lot of people have that just simply aren't true and can actually not be in the best interest of your puppy? Definitely the crating of your dog. And that was one of the things I was going to touch on of why the two crates were important. A lot of people do find that as something that is cruel, but it's primarily a lot for safety reasons for your dog. Um, Leaving your dog out, not only for one, will it cause accidents in your house, but two, your dog will learn that they can get into things that are really dangerous for them. They'll start counter surfing and eating things you don't want. Um, A lot of times dogs will eat underwear and socks, and that's a very, very expensive exploratory surgery to have. and just destruction in general. So it can be very hazardous for them. And having a crate, it provides structure and boundaries for your dog where they can mentally decompress, have a space that's all of their own. And they know that they aren't, they don't have any choices that they have to make. They're inside of this crate and it's good for them. And it provides that mental calming down effect in 
dogs are den animals, so it provides them that what they need naturally. Um, now, for the inclusion and exclusion crate, working very, very early with your puppy of having time away from you. Um, if you don't do that, then you're going to create separation anxiety within your dog. And that's very difficult to overcome later on in the dog's life. Um, I, we have an old crate from Aurora and it's completely chewed up because she had to struggle through separation anxiety because she didn't have enough time being alone by herself. So an inclusion crate is one that's typically a wire crate. The dog can see out of it and it's in an area in the house that has a lot of movement and activity. So like in the living room and the dog can be in there away from everyone, but still feel like they are included. And then an exclusion crate would be a crate that's in a downstairs or upstairs room away from everything in a laundry room in a bathroom where it's away from all the stuff and they can practice being alone. So super important to start that early. And I think that's a huge misconception that creating your dog is cruel, but it's one of the best things that we can do for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's certainly one of the things that we commonly hear, um, when people are resisting the crate training and ultimately, um, it's, it's something that while you might be able to get away with not having your dog in a crate and not having to crate them, it's certainly not detrimental to their life in any way to put them in a crate. And it ultimately sets them up for success in, you know, scenarios down the road where you might be in a long road trip or maybe you need to even put them on an airplane or they have to go put, to the vet. Or even, yeah, just at the vet when you have to take them in for a general appointment once a year and they don't know how to handle their handle their it's actions. A lot of stress. There, so. Um, certainly something that people commonly uh, have resistance towards if it's, if it's not something that they're used to. Yeah, um, sure. now aside from that, you know, what are some of the things to be cautious of when it comes to training a puppy, you know, things to not do too much of, or things mm. to be weary of yeah. when getting a puppy. I think another common thing that I hear a lot of with new puppy owners is them almost being overly ambitious or, or not overly ambitious necessarily, but perhaps too eager to do too much too soon. So perhaps yeah. we can talk about, um, some of the cautionary tales of overtraining your dog or stressing them mm -hmm. out or, um, uh, you know, what are some of the potential pitfalls of, yeah. of not, um, yeah. And properly? I think that that's a really good point to bring up because I think that some of these natural puppy behaviors, some owners get really, um, worried about them. And I appreciate their, um, wanting to start training early, but sometimes it's a little too early. So sometimes people will call me and say, Hey, how much is your puppy training? Um, you know, my dog is doing all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah, these are the different things that we can do. How old is your dog? Oh, well they're two and a half months old or three months old. And Sometimes it, that is just overly ambitious of the nipping and the biting and the jumping on people and pulling on the leash. A lot of those things can be trained, but sometimes people want to put a prong collar on a three month old puppy. And that's just a little too early for some of those different things. So having some patience with your dog, doing as much as you can, but also giving them a lot of grace. Now, on the other side of that coin is when you have a new puppy, they're so gosh darn cute. You want them up on the bed. You want to give them love and affection. You want to give them treats all the time. And having too much of that spoiling, um, it can cause a lot of problems later on if they're always constantly getting affection, constantly getting food. And 
um, allowed onto those high value areas in the house, up on the bed, up on the couch, up on chairs, up on you all the time. Um, and so just finding a good balance and middle ground of not wanting to put a prong collar on a three month old puppy because they're jumping and nipping at you. Um, but then also not wanting to use a crate or not putting a leash on your dog or whatever it may be, um, and coddling them all too often, finding that good balance. Awesome. Well, to wrap things up here and to end us on a, on an interesting note, if you had to fill a backpack with, I guess you wouldn't fill a backpack with an <laughs> idea, but if you had to fill this hypothetical backpack with three things, one from each of the sections we discussed, what, what would you kind of bring it all down to as the most important takeaways from, you know, a organizational standpoint and a schedule mm-hmm a resource that someone could use as like, if they only could take one resource with them, what would it be? And then three, you know, I guess one of the implementations. <laughs> that was a lot. I'm not sure what you're asking, but so are you asking if I could have three things, what would yeah, they be? Yeah, you have three. Three things. If you only had to, were able to have three of these three things, of these what things. would they Okay. Be? It would 100% be a crate. It would be a leash and it would be treats. Okay. So it'd be those three resources. Those three resources, because I think that all the rest of them, they are really, really good things to have. But without those three things, it's pretty difficult to successfully train your puppy or really any dog. That's true. A lot of dogs. So I guess what you're saying is a lot of dogs more than anything are are generally motivated by food, you know, as a, as a, as a motivator to get them to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Very cool. Well, do you have any other parting thoughts before we end this podcast here? Yes. My other parting thought is that give your dog as much exposure as possible. I do realize that some dogs aren't going to be up to dates on all of their shots until later on, but that doesn't mean that you can't bring them with you in the car as you go to get some gas or, you know, run into the store um, or, you know, do all these things, carry them with you into Home Depot, Lowe's, pet smart pet co you know whatever it is um and get them used to being out in these different environments um as many noises as possible smells and don't let with that exposure doesn't necessarily mean direct contact and interaction with other people or other dogs so sure let your puppy meet other people and dogs but have it in a way that is in a controlled environment and not all of the time so exposure 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 and as many different scenarios environments and situations as you possibly can awesome well i think that's going to be it for us here on this podcast covering puppy training tips thanks again for tuning in with us If you want to find us on the web, you can find us at www.canineperformancecoach.com or on Instagram at canine underscore performance. This has been the Canine Performance Podcast with your host, Matt, and your co-host, Natalie. And we'll see you next time.